This episode of Tester's Island Discs is sponsored by TestRail, a modern web-based test management tool which allows you to manage all of your testing efforts in a centralized location. To learn more about TestRail and to find out how you can sign up for a free trial, visit www.testrail.com or see the details in the show description. Welcome to Tester's Island Discs, your most musical guide to the world of software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Tester's Island Discs, where today I'm talking to Melissa Eden. Mel is based out of Dallas, Texas, where she's a senior QA analyst at ThoughtWorks. She's one of the most active community members that I know, not just sharing other people's content on Twitter, but producing her own blog content, often with testing and movie crossovers, which obviously appeals to me. And Mel is a part of the Ministry of Testing team. In her role as editor boss, Mel's helping budding new writers to produce great content about their experiences with testing. Thanks for joining me, Mel. No problem. Thanks for having me. You were one of the first people to submit song suggestions, and I get that you were getting itchy waiting because you actually submitted a second set of songs as well. <laughs> like I couldn't edit the first set, so I submitted the second set because I had a like I felt like I had a better idea, and then I was like, eh, whichever one he goes with, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm slowly getting the backlog cleared down. There are still a handful of people from 2017 in the queue, and a bunch from 2018. So if you've applied to be on the podcast, I will get to you soon. I promise. The set of songs that you went with actually have a theme running through them, which is quite interesting. Do you want to explain what the theme is? Because that might lead us into today's discussion. Yeah. So pairing is the theme. I um, Plus, I'm kind of selfish and I like having a chance to bring up more than one artist per song. So we are going to be talking about duets through this whole podcast. Excellent. That's an interesting set of constraints to work under. So what was the first duet that you came up with? So the first duet is the first one that's actually pretty personal to me as a kid growing up in a very evangelical uh, Christian household. We weren't allowed to listen to uh, secular rock for a really long time, even though my parents grew up as hippies. So um, <laughs> they, they might they might be from their past that influenced uh, my childhood. So uh, I grew up listening to Philip Bailey, who is actually really well known for his uh, Christian music rather than his secular rock music. And then Philip Bailey and Phil Collins put out a duet called Easy Lover. And it was sort of like one of these open door things, like it opened the window to, oh, wow, this is a whole nother person who obviously he has to be really cool because uh, he's sang with Philip Bailey. So can we listen to him, mom? Okay. Like it, she kind of gave in and I got face value on cassette tape and I have been a Phil Collins fan ever since. So this has a lot of personal meaning for me because it is part of my childhood and it is part of my love affair of Phil Collins and all things Phil Collins. So one of my favorite songs ever.
That was Easy Lover by Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. So the topic for discussion today, Mel, is pairing. How often would you say you use pairing on a in in the workplace? Um, I would say right now I'm about at 50%. A lot of the last project I was on, I was in pairing for a good majority of the time, not only for just testing, but for development. I learned a lot about React because of it. I'm one of those uh, really opinionated testers. If you know me or if you don't know me, maybe you could tell from writing that I don't let people skate. Like if I feel like I need to pair with you, I will come up and tap you on the shoulder and be like, let's pair on this because I feel like it's super important. I feel like it's a really good skill to have. Sometimes pairing, you get more ideas and more energy into the work itself. And it's exhausting. That's the other thing I found out about it. But at the same time, it's really exhilarating. So when you're pairing, you're not talking about just pairing with testers necessarily. You're sometimes pairing with developers as well. Sure. Developers, BAs, any anybody that I feel like is crucial to solve a problem or design something or think about how a workflow should go. And, and I have a broader definition of pairing rather than just sitting down at a mm-hmm. computer and using uh, dual monitors and keyboards. I mean, that's definitely pairing, but... I feel like pairing can be on any subject on just about anything. You like we're pairing on this podcast right now. Um, <laughs> so so I feel like it breaks down silos, it develops communication, and it generates a lot of really cool ideas. And so I think like that all the time. I think about like the other person in the conversation or who should be in the conversation. So that's it's maybe not just one person, maybe it's a group and that that can, you know, get into mobbing and whatever, but I totally recommend it. I say if you haven't tried it, you should definitely try it because amazing things happen when you do it. So we should at least very briefly name check some of the the more formal parts of pairing. So some of the roles that are involved. Um, So you have the concept of the driver and the navigator. Yeah, driver navigator. It's that idea of one person is talking you through how to do something. Um, I've seen this gone a couple of different ways. And, and when I've done it myself, sometimes I don't request as strong navigation and I don't keep to like timings as much and taking breaks. Taking breaks are important, by the way. If you're pairing uh, for more than an hour and you haven't taken a break, take a break. That's a, that's a lesson I learned on my last project because you know, developers can turn into machines and they can go for hours and you're, and then you're like stuck there and you feel like you can't leave because you're like, I'm going to miss something. And, and really sometimes you just have to go, I need a break. My brain has had too much. I feel it's super important to try to negotiate a pairing style. If it's in that, in that driver navigator style, um, especially with developers, if you're a tester or if you're a junior developer, cause I, I feel like sometimes uh, really good developers can negotiate faster in that instance. But when you're learning, you're not sure when to yell like, hey, give me the keyboard or let's stop and talk about this. And that's another lesson I learned in pairing is that you really have to be vocal about what you're thinking and not just think about it and not think about what the other person's doing and learning from that direction. So it's like this almost a duality in your head because you're you're trying to stay on top of what they're telling you to do or what they're doing. And then you're trying to also bring forward that communication skill to be able to communicate what you're doing or what you need from the other person. It seems like an easy concept at first, but once you get into it and you start doing it more and you start pairing with different people, it can turn into like a, a kind of a mental puzzle about figuring out how and when to speak up or, or when to ask for directions or when to give directions. So that driver navigator thing is really important. The one screen or two screen, I prefer two screens. 
and I prefer one keyboard. I prefer two mice. Now I will tell you why I prefer two mice. I feel like the <laughs> driver um, can put things faster if they have a mouse. I know that's kind of breaking the rules of like strong, you know, strong pairing that, that you know, the driver doesn't touch anything in the keyboard realm. But I feel like if I'm working on something and they can move the mouse and say, no, change this here. And that's a visual cue for me since I'm a visual person that helps out. So that's that's the kind of pairing station I prefer. Yeah. And there are ways around that. If, if for example, you're actually looking at code, then simple things like turning on line numbers in the in the IDE. So you can say line 120, not Right, not right. up, up, up. No, that bit yeah, stop. No, yeah. Down. yeah. <laughs> Anything that can help to, yeah, because obviously there are communication challenges, but any of those that are just purely navigation, navigating your way around the interface, um, yeah, if you can shortcut those, then then great. Uh, I think, yeah, communication is really important, particularly if you're in a situation where one of the pair is clearly more experienced. I've been in situations where I've been the more experienced one and the less experienced one. And yeah, there is that danger that if you're the the novice in the situation, then you you sit back and you you listen to the to the expert as gospel. You don't maybe take breaks. You don't rotate. Yeah, it's important to have that that a, a trust element there. I think. Yeah, and sometimes it takes a while to develop that trust, especially if you're on a new project with new people and you maybe kind of know each other. It's a little bit harder to build that trust in pairing situations. So sometimes just working things out. Uh, even away from the keyboard is better. Like even if it's just like, hey, can we go through these exercises or can I work through this exercise and then show it to you? So look for ways to also pair away from the keyboard so that you can develop that trust on the keyboard. Okay, and we'll talk some more about pairing, particularly with testers in the next section after we hear about your second song choice, Mel. Oh yeah, cool song. I love it. Uh, Tom Petty, Stevie Nicks, Stop Dragging My Heart Around. Best duet ever by Stevie Nicks, I think. And Tom Petty's had a long career. I was so sad when he passed away last year. That that was, it was heartbreaking. I've I've followed his career since way back when. It's just, I, I don't know. Like when you think of Tom Petty, there's only a couple of songs and this is definitely one of them. So that was Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks with Stop Dragging My Heart Around. And before that, we were talking about pairing and particularly pairing sitting next to somebody. But that's not something that is always possible. We have more and more remote workers these days, including both yourself and me, Mel, who do a fair amount of work remotely. How does the formality of a pairing situation change when you can't actually see the other person? Oh, yeah, that's really tough. I feel like there's a, there's a lot of tools out there. I know ThoughtWorks uses Zoom and have a camera interaction and stuff. I really loved Screen Hero yes. and I was so sad that it's got kind of gone behind like a, an invisible paywall and then like... It's, yeah, it got, they got bought by Slack and then Slack kind of just consumed it. Yeah, I've had some of my best pairing experiences remotely with Screen Hero and now 
I don't really feel like, and I've done some research out there and I don't really feel like there's another tool comparatively that'll replace it very well. Like mm-hmm. a screen here, I felt like was really easy to pick up, really easy to use. And now I don't, I don't know. I don't know what people are using now. And I don't know what people are use, easily using. Lately, it's mostly been like, hey, I'll be on one then and then they'll send me a patch and then I'll look at the patch and then uh, we'll, t- we'll talk it through like a Zoom or a Skype connection. But man, you can't beat like that interaction of like, hey, we both have like our screens connected and we can both change things in real time. That was amazing. Yeah. So remote work gets pretty tricky now, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think the important thing is as a team, it's important to pick a tool and standardize upon it so that when you're meeting someone, there's no discussion about, oh, are we going to use this tool today or how do we do that? We use Zoom as well. And yeah, basically we have a, a static room that's a team room. So at any given time, if that room is free, we just say, do you want to just pop into Zoom? And that's all you need to say, just like pop in Zoom. And then everyone's got a place where they know it's the place we meet. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. Uh, ThoughtWorks has, everybody has individual um, Zoom rooms. So all I have to do is send someone an ID so uh, or an instant room. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice like that, that we have that flexibility. Um, I think mm-hmm. some teams do have like a room that they could pop into. I know the project I'm on now, I feel like they have thrown like all the chat solutions and you don't really know where to look for people. I know one team I'm working with is on Discord. Another team's on WhatsApp. Uh, we have uh, BAs and project managers on Link and Skype. So I'm having to follow people around to like, and then hangouts and group me and all this other stuff. So, and Slack and Slack's even in there too. So it's, it's, it (laughs) definitely agree with finding a solution and sticking to it. I think it may not be particularly hard for the developers, but as a tester, and if you're a tester for several teams, then it gets really hard because then you're trying to track information and people down and that's a pain in the butt. Yeah, when when you're moving between pieces of work, there's already a context switching cost. If you, if you throw on top of that, your the architecture you're using to even have the conversation, yeah, that can get really. People think it's we're making a fuss over nothing, but no. When, when you're relying on this as a, as a method of communication, it's really important to get it right. Yeah, definitely. And that, that actually yeah. leads into our next song pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about <laughs> the feelings that uh, remote working sometimes gives you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, the next song is uh, Janet and Michael Jackson's Scream. This is actually uh, pretty indicative of sometimes how I, a lot of us, I feel like, in the tech industry come across and just want to scream. Like, and the, you know, the day to day, from the day to day stuff to the, the minutia of just getting the job done, from the business reality to the technical solutions to just solving the problem. And then sometimes all the red tape that you run into in between. So this song is it's really like, besides the fact that I absolutely love it and um, growing up, this is another growing up story. When my brother and I were young, we both liked Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson pretty equally. But because my brother and I were competitive, we had a lot of things about like splitting up like book uh, authors and artists and singers. So he got Michael Jackson and I got Janet Jackson. And I feel like this song brings us both back together in, in a very unique way.
That was Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson with Scream. So we've talked a bit about when you pair, particularly with developers, but we should talk a bit, obviously, about pairing uh, with testers. It's not something that I've had a great deal of experience with because uh, for certainly the last six or seven years, I've worked for teams where I'm the only tester in the team or the only person with the, the title of tester. Yeah. When you're actually pairing with someone else who is a tester, how, how do you manage that? Because, for example, if you're doing an exploratory testing session, one of the things I enjoy most about that is I kind of have the freedom to take things the way I want to. How does it work if you've then got someone sitting on your shoulder pitching ideas in? You know, I kind of like that, especially if you're like new to the application or you're learning about the application. It's really cool when you have like a set of uh, wire mocks or, you know, standalone screenshots or something like that, that maybe a UX or a UI developers put together. Then you could kind of go through and talk about it. And, and then you like, well, how does this go? And where, where do you think this is going? And what, is, what do you think this will do or should do? especially when you're coming up with charters or test cases or anything like that. So I find it really helpful, maybe not directly into the exploratory part, but collaborating with a tester on the like acceptance criteria of a story or the how the story is put together or the workflow. I am a lot like you, Neil, in the fact that I do like to do exploratory testing sort of in my own head and I get kind of carried away with it. And so sometimes if I am pairing with another tester, it can be mostly for, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you what I'm seeing and then I want your opinion. So that's kind of how I usually set up those pairing like that. I think some of the better pairing sessions I've had with testers have been over automation and API testing or just flat out like UI testing. Uh, have been really cool because then you could sit down and you talk about and you watch the automation run and then you're like, hey, should we do that or should we try this or change this around? I actually had a remote pairing session with Danny Danton, which was awesome. And I had this problem that I couldn't give him like all the details because it was proprietary. But I gave him like a few details and I said, hey, do you have an idea of how to get around this? And he would shoot me an idea and I'd try it and then I'd shoot him an idea and he would be like, oh, hey, yeah, that should work, but maybe try this. And then so he wasn't even on my team and I was pairing with him, which was totally awesome. <laughs> and then I figured it out and I shot him like the uh, solution. And he was like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't know that you could do if else. I thought they excluded that. And I was like, no, it's working. I've got this working and it's doing this. So I pinged Danny and, and he just happened to be online. It was the middle of the afternoon. And of course, he's over in England somewhere. I don't I don't even know where Danny lives. <laughs> like I just sort of I just sort of reached out and went, Hey, are you online? Can I ask you a question? And he was like, Yeah, sure. So I feel like the testing community is definitely like that. Like that's an example of just like reaching out to the community and being like, I have this problem. I'm almost there. What are your thoughts? You know? I love that about the community and I love that about pairing with testers in general because I feel like we bounce ideas off of each other and that's that's how we that's how we test. <laughs> One of the things that I will say that I found really useful when pairing with anybody, when I'm worried about losing my own train of thought, if I'm listening to a driver behind me, I tend to keep a pad of paper next to me that I just have a sidebar on. So if there's something that's really digging at my skull that I want to get back to later, I can put that down on paper and then forget about it and focus on what the person's trying to tell me. Because uh, yeah, it's important that you let what they call strong style pairing uh, take place so that yeah, you're you're feeding that person's ideas through to the keyboard uh, and you're trying not to be too much of a, a resistor in the middle. I think that, that that kind of reaction to strong style pairing to write it down is is a great technique, Neil, because they, those of us that are really intuitive and, and really kind of think in our own heads don't stop sometime and and just let the learning happen. Like we, you know, we, tangents happen, things all the time, like where it's like, oh, that's shiny. Let me follow that. 
I have a habit of, unless I'm in with a developer and we're developing actual code, like in my exploratory, I do have a habit of following the shiny instead of paying attention to like the plan that I set out for myself. I've gotten better at writing down like, oh, if I see something, I'm going to go back to it. And And that has been better. And I think that mostly has come from, I use rapid reporter. So if I realize I'm typing something that's completely, I'm like, oh, Okay, so I'll remember that and I write that down next to me and then I go back to it. I've gotten better at doing that practice, mostly because of Marit and Danny's blog post, definitely. And the idea that you need to stay on charter, you need to stay within your time limit or else you, you're you just ad hoc testing. You're not really exploring what you set out to do. So uh, I've been trying to yeah. be more practiced about that, though I still fail quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> And you mentioned Marit. Marit is someone who's had quite a lot to say on the subject of mob testing as well and, and mob programming. Uh, that's something I've had quite a lot of experience with. Mobbing is basically like pairing on steroids. There's like, instead of just the, the two of you pairing on it, it's sometimes a group of like six or seven people. Uh, again, all, all around one monitor, one keyboard a lot of the time. Uh, that's really good fun. And I'll put some links to that in the show notes. So we've got two more songs left to hear from you, Mel. What's song number four? Uh, song number four is David Bowie and Trent Reznor, I'm Afraid of Americans. This song came out a while ago, but I feel like it's really sort of indicative of where the United States is at right now and maybe how the rest of the world kind of views, uh, if not Americans, our government at the very least. So I've always liked this song, but I feel it's really poignant at this point in time. Even more so, David Bowie, of course, we, we lost him recently and that was heartbreaking. I've, (laughs) so he wasn't a consistent interest of mine until I started working for an oldies station because I was a DJ way, way back in another lifetime. Wow. Yeah. And so David Bowie's like golden years, more so than like his earlier stuff, mid early eighties, maybe nineties. And then some of his more um, retrospective, very introspective uh, music that came out later towards the end of his life. Very, I think, David Bowie in a way David Bowie hadn't been since like the early 70s. So yeah, so this pairing was really cool. I was really happy to see it um, when it first came out and, and really poignant, I think, for this time period. Johnny wants a brain. Johnny wants to suck on the coke. Johnny wants a woman. Johnny wants to think of a joke. David Bowie with Trent Reznor, I'm Afraid of Americans. Now, we've spoken so far about your day job with ThoughtWorks, but you have quite another significant role in your life with the Ministry of Testing uh, as the editor boss. How did that come about? So crazy story. Well, maybe not so crazy. I have been pretty involved with the community mostly since like 2015. I sent a letter to Richard. Uh, He had a contest to go to Test Bash New York. 
And mm. I basically, it's still out there. If you read the essay, you write an essay and it was whether or not you get a ticket. And I think I pretty much said I would have like Ministry of Testing's baby. Um, just, <laughs> just, just because I was so enamored with the the community and the uh, work that had gone into it thus far. And it's only gotten better since then. And then later on, I got on the Slack. I got involved with the Writers Channel. And the Writers Channel had, you know, Rosie, and she was trying to get like testers to start writing uh, more professionally. And, and that was really appealing to me because like, again, in another lifetime, I used to write professionally uh, as, a, as a journalist, more towards the commercial side of it. But I still have this burning desire to, to be a writer uh, along with all the technical stuff I do. So I got involved. And Maret again is involved in this story because uh, she was the first, like she had sent a draft to Rosie. Rosie had edited it and Rosie needed a second pair of eyes. So um, on the draft and I said, sure, I volunteered and I got in there and I made a bunch of suggestions. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, maybe I really overdid this because I, I was just like all over the place. I was like, oh, this is a really good idea. Oh, hey, maybe change this. Or, oh, hey, you know, this over here, um, what if you moved it up here? It would make more sense and flow better. And I I just like had suggestions all over the place. <laughs> and then uh, the next day they were both like, oh my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. And 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 the rest is kind of history. I, I think um, Rosie and I had a pretty good working relationship and now I'm working with Richard and Sarah and it's a pretty cool gig. I never thought I would be an editor. I never thought I would get to this point in my career, especially since I basically changed careers. <laughs> so so having come like full circle and uh, realizing a dream of mine to write technically and, and then be an editor, a technical editor um, and an, just an editor in general for technical material has been awesome. And the community mm. is awesome. And Ministry of Testing, just working with everybody, has just been really super cool. The last, oh my gosh, I think it's going on two years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the really good things you've done is you've put some resources together for people who either haven't written before or want to know sort of what the MOT style is almost. There's a writer's guide and a guide to how to become an author. Uh, we'll put some links to those in the notes. But we had Richard on the podcast at the start of this year, uh, outlining his his vision as Boss Boss. One of his goals, he said, was for there to be 75 articles published on, on the MOT website. How much of a challenge is that for you to actually get people coming forward? Um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a challenge. We're still getting out there and coming up with ideas to sort of entice people to come in and, and write for us. I've been tweeting a lot about like different topics we'd like to see on the dojo. It's not easy. It's not easy for anybody. And it's not easy to kind of give your work over and have somebody else edit it. I, I completely acknowledge that. But I also want people to know that my my if I turn a paper in, I, it doesn't just fly through the process either. My my work is edited just as much as everybody else's because I want it to look good. And that's that's all we're trying to strive to do is to to get it to the best point possible to be able to publish it. And that's really hard. That is really that is a really hard thing. It's like I definitely compare it to handing off your code that you've worked on for, you know, months and months to somebody to code review and then they go through and slash it and you see all these horrible comments <laughs> and comments or whatever. And then you have to go through all that and go, "Okay, we have to fix this and we have to fix this and I have to change this." And that's really hard. That is really hard. And and mm -hmm. the folks that have been through it have come out the other side and I think have become, have learned things 
about themselves and about their writing and about being stronger writers and things that, that they don't realize they're doing like crutch words and however commas and missing things. And, and I think when you have an editor that helps you, and this is me included, you've, you start realizing you have things in your writing that can get better. Just like writing code, like the more you practice, the better you get. So I invite anybody to write and send something in or send us an outline. Even if you don't think it's like up to the level it should be, we'll help you through that. And even if we don't publish it, I still talk to people that we haven't published something because of, you know, it just didn't work or it wasn't quite where it needed to be. But they they keep improving. They keep working on it like everything else. And I think that's the whole point of the community is to help everybody out. One other thing that's really worth saying, because this is something else that the Ministry of Testing is always really good at, is uh, if you look at the call for writers on the Ministry of Testing website, there is actually a, a compensation package. So for for writers who produce high-quality content that gets published on the site, there are various ways that you can choose to be uh, either personally reimbursed for that or you can donate that towards scholarship funds because these things are time-consuming. And the pro- it's not just the case of, you know, yeah, turning in your first draft and you're done. There is a then a process after that to actually get the thing on, on on the site and it's great that you and the team recognize that there is time and effort and blood sweat and tears involved in that yeah and we definitely want to acknowledge that and, and amazingly enough a lot of writers come to us and they will donate not only the material that they're they're trying to get published but they but basically the uh reimbursement they'll donate it to the scholarship knowing that that scholarship is going to send people to uh test bash somewhere or get people a pro membership to the dojo that's amazing to me is that how many people will come in and write like a six page article and say oh yeah donate my fee to the scholarship that just goes further to like the community being so awesome and it also leads into the next song neil <laughs> <laughs> it's always like we planned it <laughs> so what is your final song choice so it's jay-z and beyonce crazy in love which i feel like totally epitomizes how i feel about ministry of testing and how awesome the community is and how awesome things are happening all the time around ministry of testing so yeah jay-z and beyonce crazy in love Cool. That sounded like a DJ as well when you said that. <laughs> Bad habits. <laughs> or or like, like habits learned that never go away. <laughs> That was Crazy in Love by Jay-Z and Beyonce. And the final piece of business, Mel, is to choose the book that you're going to take to the desert island with you. So I'm going to have to pick, even though I had two, I'm going to have to pick Octavia Butler and uh, her short stories. And there's a reason behind that, because really, I feel like everybody should know about Octavia Butler. She was an amazing writer that was gone before her time. She had a, an accident and fell down the stairs and uh, broke her neck. And so we have this 
lovely group of like short stories that she's written that are amazing. They're wonderful social science fiction. Parable of the Sower is like one of my favorites and it's very depressing, but it's really good at the same time. Um, and her, and her short stories is, is great. I recommend that to anybody. And I think that would keep me company and at least, uh, keep my introspective mind going if I was stuck on an Island somewhere. So fantastic. Octavia Butler's short stories added to the bookshelf on the desert Island. If you want to see all the book selections from previous guests, there's a list of all the books on goodreads.com. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you want to listen to everyone's songs, you can do that on Spotify. We have a playlist that again is linked in the notes. Which brings us to the end of our time together, Mel. Thank you very much for coming here today. Thank you for inviting me, Neil. I've loved it. And and I look forward to hearing more Tester's Island Disc in the future. Excellent. If people would like to get hold of you, are you do you have any events coming up anytime soon? I do. I'm going to be at uh, Agile Testing Days in Boston with Lisa Crispin. We're going to be doing a workshop there. And then I am going to a Test Bash Sydney. Oh, yeah, I, I just bought the ticket. I just pulled the trigger. I said, hey, I'm going. That's going to be it. Um, I'm also going to be at uh, We Test in New Zealand. And I should be at Test Batch San Francisco. I know. I'm not, I'm not going to say should. I will because I've already promised people I'll be there. So um, all the Test Bashes, I feel like I'm, I'm, they're happening. So yeah, yeah, there's that. And then you can always catch me online. <laughs> I've had to reduce the amount of trigger pulling in my life recently. <laughs> I unfortunately had to miss Test Bash Brighton because of work. Uh, I'm looking forward to catching up on that on the dojo. But uh, the next thing in my sights is, yes, doing whatever I can to get to San Francisco because I love San Francisco and it would be great to see you there, Mel. Cool. And for people who aren't lucky enough to jet set around the world, if they'd love to get hold of you, where are the best places to go about doing that? Uh, definitely Ministry of Testing, Slack and Twitter. Those are the two that I'm always like on on a regular basis leave me a message on Slack or just hit me up in my direct message in Twitter or just Twitter at me, uh, at Mel the tester. So that, that's, uh, that, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all the ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's pretty, all the bases covered. Yeah. Awesome. And if you'd like to get hold of the show, you can get hold of us at testers Island and I'll speak to everyone in a couple of weeks. Thanks again, Mel, for coming on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. See you all soon. Bye. Testers Island Discs is brought to you in association with the Ministry of Testing. Written and produced by Neil Studd. Theme music by Tony Lovich. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island 